This morning's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, so now I feel this insane pressure to be legit. I didn't have it before, but I have it now. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for getting at me. Um, Yeah, the mic thing, I guess y'all figure it out, this Puerto Rican Bronx thing. I can get a little up and down and all over the place. It's really good to see you, so um, let me just send you a warm, fuzzy embrace from the Boogie Down Bronx. That's that's what we call it. and then and, and what Ryan was saying, I think it's true the other way around. Like, I love doing this. I love being here. Um, so let me just, if I could, just frame what was going to happen over the next 30 minutes or so. And I'm not timing it, so you, you won't get stuck. See, I got to time it. This is the best 99 cents I've ever spent. There's a nap for that. So what I want to do is I want to look at the text. I kind of want to dig around a little bit, see what we unearth, see if God is actually saying something that is very specific to our, our souls. I think God is a very personal God. And he uses highly imperfect, tragically broken, yet beautiful in his sight people to relay his timeless truths. So I'm fully expecting God to say something to you today. Not because I'm special, but because he's beautiful. Because he is far better than anyone in here, yet he loves us and he calls us together. So I'm going to do that. But first, I just want to, again, let me just say this really quick. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here because a couple of years ago, this thing started, this kind of partnership with Lower Manhattan Community Church and Restoration Community Church, which is just a church plan and an idea at the time. Um, And it has been my greatest desire and my dream to see this move To see this move, yeah, that was annoying me, Um, to kind of see it move from this world of partnership and and become like a beautiful slice of God's kingdom so that what would happen would be that we would paint this beautiful picture of Jesus that the world can't deny. Because the world that we live in, like I said, it got some issues. There's some problems going on in it. And we try to, you know, yes, there's some systemic stuff going on. There's, we, we can find all of those things in there and all those things are true. But at the heart of it, men are sinful. 
and the gospel is the cure. So together we can display the cure. Instead of just treating the symptoms, because no one ever gets better just by treating the symptoms. Remember that Chris Rock stand-up when he said the money's in the comeback? Nobody gives you the cure. They give you medicine so you feel better for a minute so you can come back and buy more. Like, we don't want to do that. We want to give folks the cure. We, we want them to know Jesus in full demonstration of power. Like his Holy Spirit to just take over. I dream for revival for New York City. I know specifically the way it works for me, the South Bronx. I want to see the South Bronx get saved. And I will spend myself to that end. Whatever that means, we, my family and I, we've already, we're going to die there. We will die in the South Bronx seeing folks get saved. And we will die knowing that we lived a really good life here on earth. And on the other side of heaven, we're going to praise the king all together. So all of that to say, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm also excited to come here because, and I'm going to give you this funny picture. It's really weird, but this is how I view worship. I view worship as being tied up in a bag. And it's dark in there, right? And I, I think it's dark because I can't see anything. But every time that I worship, I kind of poke a hole in it. And the light comes in. So what was once dark, I now start to see that there's beauty in it. But when that light comes in, I kind of see some stuff about myself I don't like either. So then I go get some duct tape because duct tape works for everything, and I start to try to patch the holes. <laughs> Sis is going in right there. So I try to put some duct tape over it, right, to patch up the holes. But here's the thing. I already know what it looks like when the light shines on it. So the light kind of disrupts the darkness and messes it up for me forever. So even if I want to go back to the safety of my sin, I can't. Because I know there's more and there's better. And that's why I like this text so much. Because I think um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, the gospel in 10 verses. It's, the, it's like the clearest, most concise to me explanation of the, the whole full weight of the gospel in ten, 10 verses. And then what it does in verse 10, it gives you kind of like another summary of that. So that's kind of what I'm going at today. So um, just rock with me. And um, anyway, it's good to be here. Let's jump into the text. I'm going to just read verse 10 real quick again. Ready? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to read it again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared, created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that one verse and we're going to do a 10A and 10B. So in 10A, we have God's saving work. In us. In 10B, we kind of have God's sanctifying work through us. So you, you kind of have the gospel. You got God coming in, doing something that we couldn't do for ourselves, and now this great call to live like we believe that to be true. So it, it, it's a little challenging, um, but full of hope. So verses 1 through 10, if you look at verses 1 to 3, um, that's pretty much the ugly truth about sin, right? 
where you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, when you followed the ways of the world, when you followed the prince of the air, the one who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And it says, like, we all did this when we walked in the, the, the desires and the passions of the flesh. And the flesh is in our skin. The flesh is just a fancy word for a desire um, to selfishly exalt something that brings temporary pleasure but doesn't last. And you know what that's like because everybody's done it at some point. We chase something. We chase something that makes us feel good in the moment, but we know it goes away. But we like that feel-good moment, so we keep running back to it even though we get, you know, we snap back into reality, we're still going to run into the pleasure. And every time I read verses 1 to 3, I go, listen, if we were just to stop there, there's not a lot of hope. So verse 4 comes again, and then this is like my favorite but in all the Bible. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. Because of the, for the love of the love which, for which he loved us. This idea that even though we were this, this isn't who we are to God. He sees something in us that he would not leave us dead. He would exalt us, make us alive together with Christ. So wherever Christ is, and if you keep reading the verses, then 4 to 9, this beautiful example of of God's working in us and how that works and this gift of grace, this idea that it's all a gift and we didn't earn it on ourselves and God sets it up this way so we can't boast of it. But now that we got it, we get challenged. And that's where verse 10 is and that's kind of what I want to jump into. And the way I want to do it is, if I could, just talk about Lazarus for a quick minute. Y'all know who Lazarus is, right? Jesus' friend. Apparently, they had a really close relationship. Jesus is off doing very Jesus-like things. He's walking around. He's meeting people. People are flocking to him because he's performing all sorts of signs and wonders. Um, He's almost... If you read scripture, there are times where he's overwhelmed by the pressure of it. And he needs to steal away for quiet moments. So while he's doing all this work, he hangs out with these 12 knuckleheads that he picked for no other reason because other than he's God and he just wants to prove that he can use knuckleheads to do extraordinary things. News comes to Jesus during his travels that his friend is dying. And Jesus kind of goes, okay. They're like, well, we want you to come. Because I know if you show up, you, you, you can fix this. He won't die. Jesus kind of says, okay, I'm coming, but he takes three days to get there. By the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus has died. His sisters are bugging out. They're running up to Jesus saying, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. We know it wouldn't happen. You get that shortest verse in all the Bible, right? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And then you start to wonder, like, why is he crying? Is he crying because his friend died? Or is he crying because of the disbelief of the people? I always wonder that. Is he crying because of the loss of his friend? Or is he crying because they didn't really fully believe what they were saying? Because Martha was, if you were here, you would have saved them. And he's probably going, well, I'm here now. Right? So... You got to use some biblical imagination sometimes. It's okay to do that. Jesus goes in, calls him by name, and Lazarus comes out. 
Crazy, right? By that time, he was a little stinky. It could not have been pleasant. Um, but Jesus notices something real quick. While Lazarus comes out and he starts walking to him, he looks like a mummy. Because as is their custom, they would wrap folks when they pass in linen. So he had on some grave clothes. So Jesus calls him out the cave. He comes out like that. And Jesus looks at people real quick and says, whoa, 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 chill. Unwrap him. Unbind him. That's the gospel to me. Born again people don't go on doing the same old dead things. The living don't dress like the dead. And Jesus knew that. He called them out, but he needed to be unwrapped. That wasn't his identity anymore. He wasn't dead Lazarus. He was alive. So he asked these folks to unwrap him. That's what happens to us when we get called. And this thing of call, I think we need to understand that everybody's call, our first and primary call is to Jesus Christ himself. Every Christian, every follower of Christ, our, our call is to Christ himself. We've all had that moment where we were in a cave and he called our name and we got up. The church are the folks that Jesus says, unwrap him. That's our job. Every time he brings someone from dark into light, it's our job to unwrap them. Because our king just told us to do that. We got to constantly remind each other that we're no longer dead. We got to let each other know, like, yeah, you used to be that, but you're not anymore. Like, I know a lot of folks, they struggle with the sanctification thing. And they're always on some old, well, my best, my best offerings are like a filthy rag unto God. To which I like inside, I start to scream. I go, yeah, they used to be, but they're not anymore. You're called to walk in the newness of life. You're no longer dead. Why are you still dressed like a dead guy? You don't walk clothed in the shame of sin. You've been clothed by the righteousness of the son. Isn't that amazing? Like when, when God the Father looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees his son. You're beautiful and valuable to him. And when I read this text, it always reminds me of this great work that God does in us. But then he also challenges us with this last little verse right here where it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. For us to do. Now, this word workmanship in the original Greek is poema. Does that sound familiar? Poema is the word we get our English word poem from. So check this out. For we are his poem. So the church has been called to be God's poetic expression of his goodness on earth. Isn't that beautiful? Because what's poetry? Poetry is trying to figure out how to get words to articulate a feeling. You try to let people know and you, you try to get all fancy and you use all these words. And if you do it really good, you'll use less words. 
You don't need to use a whole lot. You just get to the point and you're like, ah, it's beautiful. That's what we're called to be. We are the poetic expression of God's goodness here on earth. That is the church. So, if that's true, what are we going to do with that? In light of a whole world that needs to get saved. What are we going to do? I'm down here in Tribeca right now. The South Bronx is a little different. I'm willing to bet that there's some folks here that got some similar backgrounds. So, how many of y'all... I grew up in the projects. Yeah, like one or two. (laughs) Palante, siempre palante. (laughs) What are we going to do? Because here's the thing. I've been blessed by the relationship with this church. I've gotten to know some of y'all. I really actually actually like (laughs) y'all. I'm a brutally honest person. I like y'all. I like coming down here. It doesn't feel funny to me at all. And you know what? You guys raise like money. You do all these great things. You even give us checks. I like that too. <laughs> I want to keep it real. I like that. But here's the thing. That's a blessing to us. But you know what's the better blessing? Your presence. If y'all never give us a dime again, I'm good. As long as y'all show up and have dinner with us. Because we're his poetic expression of his goodness. Folks need to see that. Folks where I'm from need to see that. They need to see that Jesus is precious and he can do things with people that the world can't. And if you were to just show up one day and hang out, sit on the block, it's going to be a little noisy. Don't worry, you'll be okay, you're with me. If you just show up, that says so much more than your check does. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot, Pastor Ryan, but... It's one of those things like, listen, our most important ministry is the ministry of showing up. The greatest gift that you can give to me is being present. To sit with me, to talk to me, to get to know me. That's the greatest gift. It's a shared thing. So, yeah, man, I come here once a year. Yeah, the annual thing, I'll keep doing it. But I would love if y'all come up to have lunch or coffee. I would love if we, we can step from this partnership to kingdom. If we just take that leap unafraid. Because that's what I think this is trying to tell us here. That because of how we are, God steps in. This is the thing about God. Do you know in, in the, the whole creation? Yeah, I got time. I'm good. In the whole creation narrative. <laughs> yeah, funny. And the whole creation, God makes all these things by speaking, right? Like he just says, blah, 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 fish, and it was good. Blah, 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 grass, and it was good, right? All this weird stuff. But he doesn't do that with man. You know, he stoops down, he grabs dirt in his hand, and then he breathes in it. We are his workmanship. He just uses stuff he finds laying around puts it together and makes it a poetic masterpiece for the world to see. So the rest of creation wasn't personally touched by him, but we were. That has to count for something, right? Or y'all tell me if it doesn't. I think it does. 
That's why it's such a beautiful expression of his kingdom when we show up to each other's neighborhood. Because you get to see it. Because if we don't, we can find 4,000 things that are different about each other. We'll find every reason in the world to be like, yeah, they cool, but. But in the, if, if we can find common ground and know, you know what? At the beginning, we were all dirt. But he touched us. He breathed into us. He inspired. We now, for whatever reason, for his good reason, I don't even know why, his Holy Spirit occupies space in his weak, frail body. That has to count for something. So if I'm, I feel like you're robbing me of seeing that in you if you don't come to us. And vice versa. Like this is a gift that we have. That we can sit here and do this stuff. So when I read this. And and I'm just going to read it again. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work. in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived. In the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Done, spiritually deceased, dead. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like we get to sit at the right hand of glory. That's crazy. That's another sermon though. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. This beautiful gift, ours. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Then if you go on, you start saying this Jews and Gentiles thing, and it's trying to say, like, listen, there's no more division. If you keep reading Ephesians chapter 2, what you're going to see is, like, Paul's like, there's no reason that we sit on opposite sides of the room anymore. Because in Christ, we're one. Fam, there's no reason a couple of, like, a a 40-minute train ride has to separate us. I would love for y'all to come visit us on a Sunday. All jacked up is not as fancy as this, trust me. But just come. I would like to come down here more often. Just to show up and sit here and listen to Pastor Ryan preach or whoever's up here to worship with y'all. Because every time we sit and we worship, we poke holes in the bag and we let the light in. The light always disrupts the dark. And when we want to go back to the dark, we can't. That's that beautiful conviction thing. We can't sit still in our skin. Because we have already seen and we have tasted that he is good. So why do we got to go back to the bad? I don't want to act bad no more. I don't. So there's this beautiful dream, right? And, and I'm about to finish. This beautiful dream that this thing that we planted in the South Bronx doesn't get big. I don't want to grow into a big church. But it'd be pretty cool if there was 
just little packets in each neighborhood that make up the South Bronx of, of folks that were just there praying for that neighborhood, serving it. I mean, it's not a revolutionary idea. But to do that, it, it requires a, like a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of organization. And that's always like the, the first and foremost, like default mode, right? Like we, we start, we go, okay, I got this thing, this idea. How am I going to get it done? And we make the list. And then we completely bypass prayer. So I'm asking you all to pray for us. Because I feel like I, 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 in a way, may have limited my witness of God's greatness by the size of my dream. If that makes sense. I could keep saying he can do whatever he wants, right? Psalms 115, our God is in the heaven. He does what he pleases. I believe that. So why not just say, you know what? He's going to save the entire South Bronx. I'm going to get to see that. I'm going to be one of those knuckleheads that he uses. I'm going I'm to I'm be dirt that he picked up, put together, breathed into, and let loose on the world to see that. So I'm asking you guys to pray for us, please. Pray that God would save that community, that we would be a faithful and loving presence there, that we wouldn't bash people over the heads with the biggest Bible that we got, that we wouldn't hit them with some turn and burn, but that we would be committed to the slow grind of discipleship and evangelism, that we would stay there, that we would say, look, we are dying in the South Bronx. And this is our call. Our call is to see the South Bronx get saved. God does the saving, but he calls us to the work. And it says it here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We want to walk in that. And we want to invite you to walk with us. Walk with us. Pray for us. Because sometimes, if I'm honest, we have no idea what we're doing. Something's going to always show up. We don't got enough money. We don't got enough people. So-and-so, something happened with this person. This person's pregnant, going to have another baby. This person's food stamps just ran out. Like, there's always something. And then there's the natural pushback to church as an institution or organization because a lot of people have gotten hurt by it. So... You know, look, there's a thing. When Jesus called us to be his church, what did he call us to do? To raise the dead and to heal the sick. So some of us think, what does that mean? That means, oh, well, you know what? I got to go to the cemetery and lay hands on. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if anybody here has ever battled with depression, don't you feel dead? So there's, there's living dead walking around my neighborhood all the time. If I can somehow... And this beautiful story of scripture, show them that the God of, that was personal, that touched dirt and fixed them, is there for them. They all of a sudden come back to life. That's our witness, y'all. When we share the truth of how God touched us, that stuff just starts working in people. You don't need to be overly skilled for that. You don't need a seminary degree. But you know what you do need to be? Present. So while we're doing that in the South Bronx, I'm just, listen, pray for us. Make sure you come up to hang out, but also ask yourselves, are you doing that here? Are you having those conversations throughout your day? Are you engaging the people that you work around? Because you know you're called to Christ wherever you go. 
You're a follower of Christ at work. How do you follow him at work? You don't necessarily have to preach, but you know, let's be honest, there's always that opportunity, right? So this is a loving challenge for us to walk in the good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. How do we respond to this? Well, that's an individual thing. So I want to just pray for us really quick, and then I believe it's communion after that, um, and, and I'll lead into that. But um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take like 10, 15 seconds to quietly just be silent. I'll pray, um, ask God how you should be walking in your good works, what that's going to look like for you, um, and then go walk. Father, you are good in ways that we don't even have words to describe. You have touched us. You have made us. You have known us. You have given us life twice. Father, I pray that we would be moved to spend ourselves to see our neighbors get saved, to see our co-workers get saved. I pray that revival won't be just a word that we use um, in a historical sense, but one that we expect, God, as we, as we are sent out from our homes, from this church. Father, I, I pray that what you have begun between two churches would just be a blessing to all who's watching. God, I thank you for the people that have made this place their church home for this family, this extended family, God. And, and I pray that as we, we think, God, about how to best honor you in our good work, that we would um, not suffer from fear, God, that we would not suffer from any anxiety, that we would not allow insecurity to creep in, God, but that we would move boldly and walk boldly um, by your spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.